I'm Josie Mitchell, and this is the Granta Magazine podcast. We have a new series out, speaking to authors about their novels, poetry, memoir, and short story collections, and also about life under lockdown. This was recorded remotely, so apologies for the shifts in sound quality. It has been a strange year, and I'm very grateful to all the authors who made the time to talk. In this episode, we'll be talking to Caleb Claces about his novel Fatherhood, a curious, investigative portrait of early parenting. It's out with Prototype. I told her she could do it, and I corrected myself to say that she was doing it. The midwife heard me and also said, you are doing it. You are doing it. Hi, Caleb. How are you doing? I'm all right, thank you. The, <laughs> um, the, the transitions uh, in our household are quite abrupt. So um, I've just been homeschooling right up until literally about 30 seconds ago. So um, I'm still kind of... <laughs> what is your current setup for the summer? Because um, yeah, what's it like to have uh, kids in a lockdown? Yeah. <laughs> Um, well, we, yeah, so we established a pretty kind of fiendishly complicated, but, um, but effective for us timetable at the fairly early on, well, in fact, straight away. And we've basically just stuck to it. And it's, I mean, our kids at least love the timetable, love the regularity. And I've come to see that (laughs) I'm probably someone who loves that too. Um, so that's been very helpful. Um, and then just working like little chunks, really. I wrote from sort of seven till eight this morning with a coffee and then have spent the, so eight till now homeschool and then I'll do some university work this afternoon. It's quite fitting, actually. I was thinking about us having this conversation because in a way your book is, is about, the, about lots of things, but it's about the compromises and the... the movements that you have to make to accommodate a family and kids and it's it's striking that now we're in this era where that is particularly in everyone's face you know I mean in terms of lockdown I found I think I found the 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 kind of stricter period much easier I think this this kind of gray area that we're now entering into um I find much more challenging like the uncertainty it's really hard yeah. um, and the, the, the kind of shifting of agency or, or at least the, the illusion of agency onto the average citizen. There is a lot of uncertainty, I think, for a lot of people. I agree with you that one of the harder aspects has been a shift towards more personal autonomy, uh, making the judgment on what you can and can't do and what feels appropriate uh, means that there's more... I find worrying about what I should be doing and what is okay and what isn't. Right. And I mean, I think something on this kind of inhuman scale where, you, where you're playing the averages is that you can't, as an individual, make that decision, I don't think, because it's about the statistical behavior of the herd and not about what any one person does. So it's a total lie, I think, to, to kind of put that onto, onto people. My wife lifted herself with great effort and lightning. The new midwife arrived, introducing herself as someone we had bumped into in the corridor. I said it was nice to finally meet her. The midwife angled the bed. Someone took the baby's heart rate. 
time started again, or events waited in line rather than happening all at once. I ran away towards where I was. I found the flannel, an unbelievable triumph, and doused it. My wife took it with a slow, steady hand. I breathed gas and air. I told her she could do it. And I corrected myself to say that she was doing it. The midwife heard me and also said, you are doing it. You are doing it. My wife apologised for the noise she was making. The whole room giggled with disbelief. I think I said, it's a great noise. It's a great noise. A pause, as when waiting for a reply from someone who has left the room. I stroked her face. Her eyes were wide and alarmed, making room for the baby the midwife was talking to, inside and outside the room. Keep your heart beating for me. Then asking everyone in the room to push for me for the first time too much, baby slid into the midwife's arms. Slow and sudden as something missed. It had been crying for some time. I looked down towards where the baby would be. It was too much. The sun, grey baby on a rope. Grey sun seen through sobs. Grey baby gulping towards a breast. There was beautiful purple thick blood on the sheets. I wanted to lay a hand on every head in the room. I wanted another word for love. The midwife hovered between the machinery and us. She smiled, was about to say something, then returned to her task. I didn't hold the baby immediately. The baby was all that I could see and was impossible to look at. I approached, then didn't. There was a soothing commotion around the end of the bed as the midwife gathered up buggy sheets. My wife smiled one long, solid smile. She asked the baby, What do you know, baby? Please tell her. I rubbed my head against my daughter's head. I kissed my wife. I fell away again into my corner. I returned and kissed them both. I was surprised not to know who my daughter was. Strange, weightless conversation broke out then with the midwife, answers and questions spoken without conscious thought. The placenta, the baby's own belonging, filled a bucket. Of which, do you want to take a photograph? Wonderful. Thank you very much. I'm interested in how my like, male feminist friends and my colleagues navigate fatherhood. Mm. Um, it feels like these are people who have benefited from a feminist education. Um, and I'm curious how they navigate things like paternity leave, domestic labor. In a way, the collaboration of parenting a child is this moment of putting your money where your mouth is, right? Yeah. Um, did it feel like that for you? I'm sort of curious how that what it felt like this idea of putting theory into practice. Yeah, we were constantly having to negotiate these questions um, and that they would, they would kind of um, shift over time um, as you realise that there are different needs of, of everyone in the household um, at different times. And I think uh, we were kind of constantly moving between a, a sort of lived necessity and then a kind of slightly looking in from the outside at kind of what does this what does this look like? What What is the narrative of this? And sort of trying to resist over narrativizing it, like making it into a, a story about ourselves, but also being totally aware that that, that matters. Um, and of course, then you start to look around and see, see what other people um, uh, are doing. Um, that was one of my favorite aspects of, of your book is um, I think you really captured this aspect of, um, looking at other fathers, of, of watching other fathers. I love those moments in the book where 
I think there's a line where you say something like, uh, you go to the library and you're like, I inverted my eyes from other young fathers who seem to me preposterous. <laughs> um, I'm so interested in this idea of, of, of watching other fathers. What are you looking at? I think it's, it's, um, it's that mixture of a kind of deeply ingrained and quite unpleasant sense of competition <laughs> um, <laughs> wanting to be um, in some way uh, the best father. Um, but it's also looking for a, a role model, um, trying to understand what it should look like, um, I think. And I think the infrastructure of um, community around fathering is very limited. Um, I mean, mm. my mum my has been in a, a feminist women's group um, for 30 years. Um, and I mean, that was very much of its moment, but I don't think there is a kind of equivalent of that that I that that is available to me, or at least I'm, I mean, in my, in my circumstances, that there's a kind of mode of being with other men that would be explicitly kind of supportive um, and just has that aim. So it, you do feel that it's slightly <laughs> atomized um, in your kind of daily activities uh, with a child. One of the early um, episodes in the in the book, which is about the birth of your daughter and becoming a father and building a home around your family together, is um, this moment when you first go out with your with your daughter, um, just the two of you. And I, I think it's a wonderful episode because it holds so much of the anxiety of early of being an, a, a young parent um there's a moment where uh you, you come across him the father um and it's interesting because it feels quite awkward uh maybe it's this sense of competition that you're talking about uh but is that i, I wonder whether there's something you're looking at there about fear or insecurity or, or lack in relation to fatherhood is is that something that you were consciously trying to explore in the book i think a sense of insufficiency um was something that i was trying to explore in the book um and that was partly just a felt experience that i couldn't quite understand um partly it's being confronted with sort of biological I mean, realities is perhaps too strong a word, but 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 um, uncomfortable. The the uncomfortable differences between at least the male body that I inhabit and um, the female body that that um, that my wife inhabits, um, and feeling that there was um, something <laughs> missing <laughs> from. <laughs> From from mine, and I couldn't quite understand or rationalise what what was going on there. So I think that became part of the narrative, part of the way of trying to explore that. Um, it does. It is quite a questioning book. Uh, maybe, as you say, a resistance to go down the track of a certain father narrative, right? Um, hmm. A big question that seems to hang over the book is: What kind of father do you want to be? It's almost um it's almost too close right now you know 
it's a it's a it's a fascinating question because as you say i have just come from homeschooling and i haven't spent an an hour outside of my children's company or being in the same house with my children for the last two months um uh and in that sense i can almost not see an identity that's separate from being a father right now which would give me any kind of vantage on that question <laughs> um <laughs> so in a sense when i was writing this book it was fresh enough that mm. it was that i was able to 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 see it in in a sense in a kind of artificial way in in, in that it wasn't it was me and it wasn't me whereas absolutely whereas right now <laughs> uh <laughs> Uh, it's just, it's just immersion. I think that's beautifully put. And I guess in a, a way, maybe another way to approach the same query or question is to think about the book, to continue, return to the book as an object and think about this father in the book, in the book mm. being written, who, yeah, is very, it's very, it's very short after the birth of his first daughter he presents three ambitions, which I find very interesting. One is to be gentle. The other is to wear matching socks. And the third one is not to betray his uncertainty, which mm-hmm. I'm really curious about. Um, as a physician, he describes his uncertainty as the thought when he looks at his daughter, I have absolutely no idea who you are, which I'm fascinated by. What is the value of that uncertainty? Would you say if we if this is one of the ambitions that this father in the in the book had? Uh, it, it, and that 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 remains the same. I think. I mean, or at least I can I can identify with this father in this book um, right now. Um, in that, I think collapsing the difference between. A child and yourself so is feels like a, a loving thing to do, but it's a really dangerous thing to do. I think, um, and and kind of respecting the the, the difference of a child, um, even though they're they're growing up in your in in the ecology that you've created around them, um, is seems to me a, a kind of dignifying aspiration um excuse me um, um and a dignifying that, aspiration yeah in in the um just trying to not impose i mean it's in 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 a way it's as simple as just trying not to impose um your your perception of what the child is on, onto the child all the time. Um, I was just really aware, um, and I think this is something that I was trying to write into the book as well, of, of how a child immediately becomes a narrative um, or several conflicting narratives. And, you know, they're like an object that people read. There's a kind of like a semiotic object, you know, that people come in and they read the eyes and they read the hair and they read the... Um, 
and then there's then there's the second layer, which is you clothe them, and then the, that has a mm. that has a symbolic function. And 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 the, the immediate you start to see the layers of the culture, and of course there's partly a great pleasure in that in in the performance of that. Um, uh, but there's also, I mean, I was just really startled by how quickly that happens, um, and trying to remember that there is a there is a mysterious something in there that is that is resistant to all that um always would you say that the same thing is happening um to the parent in that situation um i feel like throughout the book there are these moments where um the the father is being read and perceived sort of judged by the people around him there's this really striking moment where an old lady uh he's out with his daughter and this old lady says oh that baby looks cold and it's this real moment of um fear of being judged or labeled or named as a father and not a mother in this moment um did you what what do you think that narrativizing of the father can do my wife pointed out that 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 scene it may be the first time in the father's life that he's ever been patronized (laughs) and uh, and um and that that partly that rage comes from being being in a very unfamiliar um position that's familiar to lots of other people um i think uh, one of the ways in which I was trying to think through that is um or the thing that comes to mind that that idea of kind of making a narrative about the father is that there are these different um kind of costumes that that, that appear in the book he has all this kind of equipment that he acquires um at, at the beginning that he kind of needs to sort of arm himself with against the world yeah and sort of this like stand in for uh like mammary glands or whatever <laughs> yeah exactly i think it's a really interesting line of thinking exploring the the costume that you're wearing mm. the role in fact that the father plays the mother plays um and what the expectations publicly can be for what those roles include were you aware of the cliches of fatherhood when you were writing this um i think there are moments when i feel like you're writing with an awareness of them and you and you do it anyway uh, for example, there's a moment when the father in the book is left alone with his daughter for the first time for an extended period of days and falls over and cracks his head open. <laughs> um, <laughs> and there's something funny about that that plays with this cliche of the incompetent father left alone. And and and, and I, I, I really enjoyed that because I think it's quite bold to play with cliches generally. Yeah, you know, I was, yeah, I was... I was really aware. I was really aware of it, and and aware even of a kind of emerging genre. When you see, you know, kind of Netflix <laughs> lockdown comedies, is you know, there's a kind of a, a, a kind of new staple. And I was really aware of not wanting to diminish <laughs> the father as a as a as a gesture. Um, um, 
to in order to kind of elevate something else or, or to to kind of try you know use that as a as a as a as a move on the other hand there were certain points at which I wanted to kind of go go there <laughs> yeah because I was wondering whether there were books that you were not would be able to nod to or previous books that were embarking on a similar um journey as the one you wrote and I wasn't a casual google of the word like fatherhood book doesn't come up with that many examples in the way that I think there's just such a huge wealth of motherhood narratives yeah you know I I am I certainly um, was was not aware of them, and I and I want and I wanted one. You know, I, I wanted something unusually, actually, because it's not. I'm not usually looking for for a representation of my own experience in in novels, but I I couldn't find something that really resonated with me. And there are books about motherhood and related. I mean, I, Maggie Nelson's The Argonauts was really important to me while I was writing this book, and that. Um, it felt like um, uh, a way of writing about something adjacent, which which was really inspiring. Um, I, I was really, you know, I read quite a lot of kind of child psychology, part <laughs> trying to kind of skill skill myself in some desperate way. Um, and I was really struck by, you know, Winnicott, who I really love, but he has almost nothing to say about the the father. Um, it, it's all about the mother. And if you go back to sort of memoirs about fathers, it tends to be about this kind of distant strength um, and not, it's like how to actually be present, <laughs> um, which I think I was, I was interested in and which I was like really hungry for. Thank you very um, much. No, thank you so much. That was really, um, really interesting. I'm really grateful for your questions. You've been listening to the Granter Magazine podcast. The music was taken from the album First Flights by Trilog. If you've enjoyed this episode, please do leave a rating or review wherever you get your podcasts. It helps other people to find us. And a reminder that this has been recorded under lockdown conditions. So please be kind if you can. <laughs> <laughs>